Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. That's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking up. See you later. Altuve, a walk-off two-run homer, and the Astros beat the Yankees six to four. Win the ALCS four games to two. That's how it happened Saturday night. Robert Ford of the Astros Radio Network with the call of the Jose Altuve bomb that lifted the Astros to another World Series. I'm Jeff Allen. Thanks for joining me for the podcast once again. It's an earlier release this week since the World Series starts Tuesday night between the Astros and the Washington Nationals. My baseball guy, Joe Finger, standing by in the virtual green room to discuss that shortly. First, some thoughts from the National Football League. I'm continuing to root for the reverse perfect season of 0-16. So far, Miami and Cincinnati are obliging and not disappointing. Miami did give the Bills some fits yesterday, but uh, they don't have enough to to win a game. <laughs> they, they couldn't even beat the winless Washington Redskins. And then the Cincinnati Bengals uh, were competitive with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but uh, turnovers cost them, and they remain winless on the season. So the race for 0-16, it's never happened with two teams before. So that could be interesting. I forgot to check to see if the uh, Dolphins and the Bengals play each other this year. So uh, maybe I'll just uh, dial that up here real quick and uh, see, make sure the, the Bengals are not on their schedule as far as the uh, 2019 season is concerned. Up, oh, they play on December 22nd. So, oh, that could be the defining moment. <laughs> Will they both be winless when they play on December 22nd? That would be interesting to be seen. So there will be two 0-16 teams. Well, we could have 0-15-1 should a tie take place. Wouldn't rule that out altogether either. Well, Aaron Rodgers keeps being Aaron Rodgers. Five touchdowns yesterday, ran for another. Jeez, this guy. And uh, I guess uh, he's figured out how to get along with the new coach. <laughs> They've only lost one game of the season, and and uh, they are leading the NFC North division. So Mr. Rogers continuing to get done things in his neighborhood. The San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles. Oh, what were they doing on the goal line against the Tennessee Titans? Chance to win that game. At the very least, kick a field goal to send it to overtime. They're running the football not once, but twice with no timeouts. What are they doing? No timeouts, you can't run the football. Even I know that. How about the Arizona Cardinals? 3-3-1 now. They won three in a row. They beat the New York Giants yesterday. So, Kyler Murray... Cliff Kingsbury, how about that? I would not have uh, called them at this with that record at this stage of the season. Dallas Cowboys romp over the Eagles to make me a happy camper last night. I expected a much different game than the final result, 37-10. And the Cowboys played lights out on both sides of the ball. And how about Brett Maher? How about him? 
63-yard field goal, second consecutive week. He's at a 60-plus yarder. He had a 62-yarder against the Jets. He now has three over 60 yards. The first guy to ever do that. Had a couple with two. Sebastian Janikowski and Greg Zerline. So, 63 yards and would have been good from 66. And how about the Saints? Keep it on, keep it on. Teddy Bridgewater, 5-0 and is the Saints starter in for the injured Drew Brees. And the Saints down the Bears yesterday. And should the Bears call the Bengals about Andy Dalton? I mean, Trubisky is just not the answer. He's never going to be the answer. And I realize Andy Dalton's not a top 10 quarterback, but he would be a huge upgrade. And the Bengals could look at uh, uh, getting some draft picks as they reload. Because you feel bad the Bear defense is just all alone on the island with getting no help at all. So uh, I think that's a discussion that needs to be had. World Series gets underway Tuesday evening. Houston Astros, Washington Nationals. It gets started on uh, Fox tomorrow night. And Joe Finger joins us now to uh, talk about the fall classic. Joe, thanks for coming back on. Always a pleasure, Jeff. Especially when we're talking baseball. Yes, indeed. And uh, now we got the teams that have uh, probably the strongest starting pitching in baseball, baseball basically for the whole year. And here they are standing at the end. Uh, this is going to be quite an interesting series. And, and you look at the first game matchup, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer. Cole has a 3-0 postseason with a 0.40 ERA. And Scherzer, just a pedestrian 2-0 with a 1.8 ERA. Uh, that's going to be quite a uh, pitching duel to start the series off. Yeah, I think this, the starting pitching is about as strong as we've ever seen in the World Series. I read something today, in fact, Jeff, that said this is the first World Series since 1945 that features six of the top 20 qualified pitchers in ERA. And Cole and Scherzer are certainly uh, the top guns for their respective teams. Honestly, I can't remember the last time Garrett Cole lost a game. I mean, this guy literally has been unbeatable, so I think the Nationals are going to have their work cut out in Game 1. Yeah, and especially, you know, the the Yankees had a game against Cole where he gave up uh, a, a tied his career high in walks, and he still managed to shut them down. That was mightily impressive. Yeah, I remember a week or so ago when we were talking about the Astros and Yankees, um, and we, you know, we said that the Yankees were going to have to steal a game on the road at Houston. Well, the Nationals find themselves in a similar position. The Astros were sixty-three and twenty-one at home. So somewhere along the way, Washington is going to need to get a great pitching outing, and of course, they've got the pitchers that might do that question is, will it be game one or game two? I, I would think they would have a better chance against Verlander in game two. The Yankees got to him early in his last outing. He gave up four runs and then settled down. But one of those two guys, I think Washington's going to have to find a way to at least beat them once in this series to have any chance. Yeah, and I would have to have to agree with you on game two, especially since uh, the Nationals will be throwing Strasburg in game two. He has been mightily impressive. He's 3-0. and and a 1.64 ERA, while Verlander, as you mentioned, has been 
It had a couple of bumps in the road. He's one and two with a three seven zero ERA. So that might be their best chance of stealing one there. And then it gets interesting for game three with the the Grinky Corbin matchup. Um, both those guys have uh, had some interesting. Uh, uh, ups and downs during the playoffs and you know Corbin's ERA is inflated because of a bad relief appearance so I don't know if you discount yeah. th- you have to discount that a little bit but uh, game three could be an interesting swing game in that series yeah as great as the starting pitchers are the top two for each team it could well be who wins the battle of the third and fourth starters I know that uh, Corbin has pitched very well except for that one bad relief outing Rinky, the veteran, he's been in the league for, what, 15 years. This is his first World Series appearance. He has not had that great of a historical track record in the postseason. So I might have to give the Nationals a little bit of an advantage there. And then if it goes to a fourth starter, here's the guy we talked a little bit about in the uh, previous uh, National League Series, Annabelle Sanchez, who was lights out against St. Louis and gave them a great outing, which put them on their way to a sweep in that series. Could he even remotely approach that type of success again? I don't think so. I think St. Louis was a team that strikes out a lot. They don't handle off-speed junk pitching. Houston does not strike out very much. They put the ball in play. So I'm not sure Sanchez is going to be quite the pivotal figure he was. Uh, in the uh, World Series, but uh, again, those number three and four guys uh, could be a decisive factor. Maybe the top two kind of cancel each other out. That's what that's what makes it great to you know kind of speculate as to how this might play out. Yes, and uh, Arcidi will be the uh, game four uh, starter for the Strohs. So you mentioned a very key point. The Astros are a team that is uh, very proficient at putting the ball in play, even though they have a lot of sock in their bats. Uh, they do a great job of uh, uh, keeping the wheel turning. Yeah, I think they, they probably their their pitching staff strikes out more of the opposition than anybody else, and their their own uh, hitters probably strike out just about uh, fewer than anybody else. So they do put the ball in play, and that puts a lot of pressure on the opposing team. And I, th- I think the Astros have a little bit of an adv- advantage defensively overall. Their defense helped them out. Certainly, if you look back at that Yankee series, uh, some of the defense we saw. And, and that's not something we talk a lot about, but in an otherwise fairly close matchup, defense, speed, putting the ball in play, that could be a factor. Yeah, and then what do you make of who would be an X factor, you think, as far as the, the hitting lineup goes for the Nationals? They have a very strong lineup. Um, you know, the two young guys, Soto, left left field, I mean, he may be the best, one of the best players in the league. Rendon at third base. Um, I, I would look to those two guys. I think they play with a lot of enthusiasm. Um, as for the Astros, uh, you look at their lineup, they've got a number of guys uh, that can do it. Altuve's been hitting really well lately. Uh, Correa has, has played really well as well i don't i don't i don't have a, a sort of a sixth sense at this point as to any one guy what about you have you got if you got a dark horse here for us jeff you know it's uh it, it's it's tough to kind of figure out a dark horse uh is, is since their lineups are fairly deep uh as far as as far as the offense is concerned um i think the astros still have a little bit of an edge there um, but you get agreed. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. But you just can't discount the Nationals. And I tell you what, I find interesting about this series. Um, it's it's a matchup I'm really quite looking forward to. Now, you know, in a perfect world, you and I would be talking about the Twins and the Braves. 
Um, we were hoping for that. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but sure. you but you know this 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 is a, a great contrast. Is in you know the Nationals are in my division, and I thought I would hate the fact they were in the World Series, and I'm finding myself not hating it. Which is which is kind of cool, and you know I've been you know an Astros fan, uh, you know, over the last few years watching them uh, turn into one of the best teams in baseball, and it's a really a, a, a terrific matchup and and a lot of a lot of great contrast. Yeah, I, th- I think it is very close overall, I, and I think these are the two best teams from their respective leagues, and, and here they are, and these are the two teams we thought would make it uh, once we got to the league championship round. Uh, we haven't talked a whole lot about the bullpens uh, in this series, and, and probably for good reason, because <laughs> these teams have such great starting pitching, but both have had issues with the bullpen, and... Um, the Nationals were able to get by with maybe only using a couple of guys out of the pen in the, you know, in the league championship series. I don't know about a seven-game World Series if they're going to be able to quite uh, manipulate that as well as they have been previously. So that that could be sort of an X factor as, as for what the bullpens do. The Nats have a rookie. Uh, who I don't know that much about, but I'm learning about Tanner Rainey, mm-hmm. who, who kind of showed up on the radar here recently. And it, he, he throws triple digits, got a great slider, and, and pretty much ate up a couple of the um, Cardinals hitters in that previous round. They may have to go to him some in this series. Uh, Hudson and Doolittle and pray for rain, but Rainey may be the guy that uh, shows up a little bit there, especially have to, if they have to go to their bullpen. Yeah, because if Houston they... has a little bit deeper pen, but I think the Nats uh, may have a kind of an X factor there. Yeah, and that's going to be an interesting aspect too, because if they if the if the Nationals have to go beyond the guys you mentioned, they're going to be in a world of hurt uh, because yeah. they they just did not perform well at all. And, uh, you know, Doolittle had his problems or he got his self rewrited uh, in the back part of the season. So that will definitely be an interesting aspect to watch. And, you know, it's it, it, again, you mentioned they they were able to kind of utilize their starters in the relief roles in, in, in the prior series. It's going to be a lot tougher to do that this time around. I definitely agree with that. And uh, it was probably good that they uh, got their series done early. They were able to get the starters rested uh, and get them lined up the way they wanted. It's funny you mentioned that, Jeff. I I love finding uh, historical trivia and statistical trivia. Uh, As we know, the Nats, you know, they did sweep St. Louis, a very dominant performance. But get this, of the past eight clubs who have swept a league championship series, only one has gone on to win the World Series. Hmm. Of the teams that come in most rested, uh, a very small percentage have actually gone on to win the World Series. And the one that did it, that swept the League Championship Series, that happened in 1995 in the National League. Any idea who that might have been, Jeff? Hmm. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Would that be the the, the team in Hotlanta? <laughs> yeah, the the Atlanta Braves swept, and uh, they went on to win the World Series. But ironically, somewhat counterintuitively, uh, teams that come in with that that sweep don't necessarily go on 
to enjoy a lot of success. But you know what? Statistics are only as good as the next time they supposedly will occur. And then if they don't occur, then it's like, oh, it didn't mean anything anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you, and maybe not so much the rest aspect, but the fact that they were able to uh, get their pitching uh, lineup situated so that they could match <laughs> yeah. the top two guys from the Astros, I think was, was That's very a more key. substantive analysis there, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. They have, the starters are rested. We're going to have the great matchups that, that really make for potentially great World Series. And speaking of that, I think it's going seven. What about you? I'm going to say six, and I like Houston. Nothing would surprise me, however, but if I'm forced to pick, I think I'm going to go with the Astros in six. Yeah, I'll take the Astros in seven. I think it's going to be be just a lights-out, tension-filled, edge-of-the-seat kind of World Series, which which certainly will be a, a great entertainment as far as that goes. Yeah, we'll sit back and watch. By the way, the last time a World Series game was played in Washington, D.C., yeah. you want to take a guess what year that was, the last time D.C. hosted a World Series game? And, uh, boy, I heard. I thought I, I think I heard this <laughs> earlier today. Wasn't that back in the 40s? Uh, even earlier than that. It oh, was so actually, it would have uh, been 1933? The 1933 World Series, in which the uh, the New York Giants beat the then Washington Senators uh, four games to one. It, it's been a long time. That is that is incredible, and I I think I also learned too that uh, that the Washington team back in those very early days was referred to both as the Nationals and the Senators. Yeah, I think I, I read the same thing. They were actually, I guess, officially or formally the Washington Nationals, but everybody just called them the Senators, which yeah. I did not know. Yeah, um, but you're you're right, and and that team, by the way, that team that was in the '33 World Series eventually became the Minnesota Twins in 1961, and almost literally as fast as that team moved to the Twin Cities, they got another expansion team in '61, which was known as the guess what. Washington Senators, <laughs> and they were awful. I remember as a kid, Washington, oh, these Senators are horrible. And uh, people stopped going to the games, and eventually they moved on to Texas. And then, what, I think about, was it 2005, the Nationals uh, moved to D.C., yes. and they got a team back. Yes, as the former Montreal Expos. So. Montreal Expos, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, it is a very interesting uh, uh, baseball history in the, in the nation's capital, that's for sure. So, uh, Joe, know you're a big Minnesota Vikings fan, so we'll talk, chat a little bit of football before we go. Shift uh, gears. Yes, yeah, so the Minnesota Vikings have won three in a row, five and two on the season, and Kirk Cousins has been lighting it up. Is you think that is going to be a, a long trend, or you know, Cousins has shown some inconsistency. Where do you, where do you kind of lie I'm, I'm on gonna, that? I'm going to answer that question, Jeff, but i got to back you up just a little bit. Anytime you introduce a Minnesota Vikings fan, whether it be me or anyone else, you really should preface that by saying, long-suffering <laughs> Minnesota Vikings fan. That's the only kind there is. <laughs> but, you know, hope always springs eternal. And, uh, you know, uh, Cousins has taken a lot of heat with that big contract and not a whole lot to show for it. They were a kind of a eight and eight team last year. Didn't make the playoffs and kind of started off slowly this year as well. But last three games, he's played as well as I think he has at any point in his career. Part and I think part. You know, I think he's playing with a little bit of an edge. He's he's a nice guy, very polite. But I've seen a couple of uh, post game news conferences here lately where he had a little bit of an attitude. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think he's playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and I think that that helps. 
Yeah. It also helps to have a guy like Dalvin Cook in the backfield as well. Yeah, he is definitely blossoming into the player they thought he was going to be. And interesting, they trail the Packers by a game. They're six and one. Aaron Rodgers, you know, I wish he would retire already because he kills oh he kills the I Cowboys. This, he's got to start losing it a little bit. But after watching him yesterday, it's like, oh boy, it's going to be a long season if you're a Vikings fan. Yeah, we've got to find out a way to beat this guy. Yeah, well, it'll be it'll be interesting. At least you know the the Vikings have a defense to work with. As far as that goes, and you know, I find the intriguing team in that division to be the Chicago Bears. If they had anybody who could play quarterback with the defense they have, they <laughs> because, would be a better team. Yeah, they have a great defense. They shut the Vikings down a few weeks back, and of course, last year they were a great defensive team. But they have regressed on the offensive side of the ball, and, and unless they get that straightened out, it's going to be tough. Because, as, as like you said, that's a very tough division. Arguably, the best division in football right now. Uh, with uh, Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, and of course the Lions are no slouch uh, either this year. Yeah, even though they've lost three in a row, they've been in every game they've played in. Yeah, they have. They've had some tough losses. Yeah. What did. about the Cowboys, Jeff? They were on a three-game losing streak. You've got to be happy now. Yes. They look pretty good against the Eagles. Yes, it was. Uh, boy, that was a uh, that, that was a big surprise last night because I was expecting a a uh, just a, a total slugfest. And getting those two turnovers right away, getting 14 on the board. The Cowboys have gotten off to terrible starts in games this year. Uh, was quite a refreshing change. And this is where it's interesting with the Cowboys is, you know, last night shows you the kind of team they can be, which is very impressive, but they have a hard time fitting that shoe on sometimes. Boy, and, and so many, you know, you could probably say that about so many teams. Like when they have a really good game, it's like, this is the team we could be. So there, there's got to be something said for the teams that every week maintain that consistency. The, the coaches, I, you know, I hate to mention New England, but year after year, the consistency, week after week, and other teams could only uh, aspire to reach that level of uh, consistency. Oh yeah, and and the biggest thing with the Patriots is you can't figure out what they're going to do from week to week. That that to me is more impressive than anything else. You can scout them and get all the tape you want on them, but they'll and they'll invent an entirely different game plan for their next opponent. It is it is quite uncanny? Yeah, and I think that's certainly been part of the key to their success. And, and you know the psychology that goes on in these games is very interesting. Um, and um, in the NFL. Uh, you know, you adjust from week to week and week uh, within a game, the adjustments that, that occur. I'm honestly not intelligent enough to pick all of those things out when I'm watching a game, Jeff. But I know they're happening, and the teams that are able to do that are the ones that have the, the best success because, you know, all of these players are great players. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are. You're playing in the National Football League. But how you function collectively as a unit with your game plan, I think that's really what separates the winners from the losers a lot of times. Yeah. Well, i tell you what, you know what the most surprising team to me in the NFL this year, um, first check would say San Francisco, but I'm going to go a little off the table on that. The New Orleans okay. Saints. You know, the you, Saints. You figured they're dead in the water without Drew Brees, but Teddy Bridgewater's gone 5-0 and as a starter. Yeah, and I tell you, there are a lot of Minnesota Viking fans who are um, cheering for the Saints. Now, we won't be if we meet in the playoffs, but uh, you've got to love the fact that Teddy's doing as well as he is. I'm not that surprised that he is. Uh, I think he had reached a certain level in his uh, comeback physically to where he would be able to play. And he's a very cerebral kind of guy, a smart player, and he's playing in in a good system there, I think. And, And so the results... 
are speaking for themselves. And what's going to happen? Uh, maybe maybe he takes them the rest of the season. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, and as for San Francisco, Jeff, you mentioned San Francisco. I'm not really su- surprised uh, that they're doing well. Maybe six and zero. I didn't expect, but I remember uh, going to uh, Minneapolis last year and, and seeing the Vikings play uh, the Forty ers and telling some of the Forty er fans there at that game who were a little bit down on their team that I thought they were going to be really good, probably in the near future. They had some injuries last year, but they've got it together this year. So that's I agree with you. That's not a total surprise either. Yeah, and Kyle Shanahan proving to be a chip off the old block. It looks like. Yeah, he's got a pretty good pedigree there, don't you think? Yes, a lot to work with there. So, uh, anyway, uh, we got the World Series getting underway. Going to be a lot of fun. Joe, we thank you for coming on to talk about that and a few other things, and uh, hope you enjoy it. Jeff, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend, and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again at some point. You got it. Yes, and, uh, you know, I had time to uh, kind of think of an X-Factor on the Washington Nationals, and I guess because they've been waiting around uh, to play in the World Series, Howie Kendrick. You had the big home run against the Dodgers in the uh, National League Division Series. Uh, Had a great uh, Game 3, I think it was, against the Cardinals. Um, And he'll get to DH when they play in Houston. He's not exactly uh, a tremendous fielder, but uh, his bat, very important in the lineup. He is, he's a guy I like in the Nick Markakis, just a true professional hitter. Gives you a great ad bat every time. So uh, that would be uh, an X factor. And boy, <laughs> I, I almost feel embarrassed that it was an afterthought. Um, and Kendrick, by the way, is uh, uh, somewhat uh, familiar to the area here. In the uh, early 2000s, he uh, played baseball at St. John's River Community College. So, how about that? And uh, we again, we thank Joe for coming on. And um, I'll tell you something interesting about Joe. Um, you know, he has been a friend for a long time, and I respect the fact he is my friend as a Vikings fan because he knows one of my favorite all-time Cowboys is Drew Pearson. <laughs> I'll just leave that. Uh, I'll just leave that right there. Ah, anyway, besides the World Series opening up tomorrow night, the NBA kicks off its regular season, doubleheader style on TNT, the New Orleans Pelicans against the defending world champion Toronto Raptors, sans Kawhi Leonard, certainly this was a game that, uh, TNT wanted on the schedule because it would have been Zion Williamson's debut, but now a knee injury is holding him out for a little while. And then the back end of that uh, doubleheader will be the team that Kawhi Leonard went to, the LA Clippers, hosting the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James and Anthony Davis and uh, all that uh, hype will begin out there, and then our Orlando Magic will kick off the season at the Amway Wednesday night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, if you missed last week's uh, podcast, which uh, shame on you if you did, but just if you did, uh, previewed the season with the Magic's radio play-by-play man Dennis Newman, so you can go back and uh, get prepped for the NBA season. As always, follow me on Twitter, Jeff Allen underscore 88. 
and be happy to engage with you anytime there. And as always, we invite you to subscribe. Go to jeffallensportstalk.com, and you can find the podcast provider of your choice to subscribe to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients, so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E. LVE.net.